Hello, today is Friday, February the 19th, and you're listening to the Grains Matter Chatter podcast presented by Northcore Grains. I'm your host, Dolores Foster, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Jeffrey Guy. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening to everybody. So, Jeffrey, what happened to the markets today? Uh, today, this week, let's see, we had a short trading week this week, four days due to the president holiday on Monday and our family day up here in Ontario. Mm-hmm. So the market's uh, old crop corn up $2. Harvest corn this year ended up $4 to close at two thirty three per ton. Soybeans, old crop was down $2. Harvest up $6, closed at $547. I think that's a new high for, uh, for us so. for this year. Five hundred forty seven. target orders hit, I heard. Target orders hit in both corn and soybeans. It's, uh, congratulations to those customers. Spring wheat was uh, mixed up a couple dollars, down a couple dollars. Winter wheat uh, was up a few dollars for the week, uh, and still it closed at two seventy-five for this harvest. Some pretty attractive numbers. So let's see what really uh, what was the big news this week. Yesterday, in the USDA had their Ag Outlook Forum, their annual meeting, and it was the first real uh, shot of looking at projected acres planted acres for this year but it's kind of funny the market the analysts will talk about the acres that they've reported and they reported 92 million acres for corn 90 million acres for soybeans 40 total of 45 million for wheat um is that changed much from last year jeff well that's up a little bit the analysts were maybe looking for them to go up a little bit higher last year there was about 10 million acres that was in the set aside program right they're looking for more of those acres to be planted this year but they were probably looking for soybeans to be a little higher because of the high price this fall and uh in the states uh you know we even up here we do a rough calculation soybean should be two and a half times as much as corn i think down in the states right now the average number works out 2.64 or something Mm -hmm. so it's in theory that means you're it should entice some more soybean acres. Uh, lots of people think prices have to move farther to switch these around. But we're uh, probably looking for those acreage things to change a little bit. Remember, the March 30th report is the projected planting acres, and that's done with a farmer survey. These projected acres were just done by uh, economist. Oh. So that's uh, the USDA's top economist puts these out. So it's... You know, be interesting to see where they go. So also uh, this week there was a, a holiday in China. So they were absent from the market. Their Lunar New Year this week. I think it was over on Thursday, but they didn't have any real big announcements today. So it'd be interesting to see if they come back into the marketplace next uh, next week. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I wrote about this week was the soybean crush numbers are staying at just about record high levels in the U.S. on a month-to-month basis. And uh, so you just think if they're crushing all these soybeans, we've talked in our written daily reports about the high price of soybean soybean oil, the high price of soybean meal. Mm-hmm. You know, they must be making tons of money with the crush. Well, the crush margin was really strong till about January, and now it's turned really low. So it's... Uh, an interesting trend to look at because these high prices of beans are overtaking the 
the new high prices that they're getting for oil. oil. Like oil is at a seven-year high, meals at a multi-year high, but it's still not enough to keep their margins at multi-year. I heard a a term this week. I was listening to a podcast by Real Agriculture, and they use the term commodity super cycle. So it was pretty interesting to listen to that. And um, I think he was interviewing uh, Brent Stewart, uh, from AgriTrends, Global AgriTrends. And yeah, they, a... they haven't called me yet to be on that podcast. <laughs> well, maybe your chance is still coming, Jeff. <laughs> but it was pretty interesting what he was saying. He was talking about um, China making all these big purchases. Now, d- is that an indication that prices are going to go higher? They think that now is the, the lower prices and, and prices are going to go higher. So who knows? Yeah, it's really interesting because uh, I can... Read somebody else that will say China's building back stock levels and uh, they're going to pull out of the market and prices will go back down. It's, uh, remember, paper does not refuse ink. And you can always find somebody that will agree one way or the other. But, That's right. Uh, there are lots of market technical signs in the market that yeah, we might be in a, you know, keep this boom side going. And uh, remember, and especially in the super cycle ones that you're talking about, there are some short terms ups and downs, and short terms can be one or two years in those yeah. uh, super cycle booms they talk about. So, so I think we'll end the little uh, market talk here. So, soybeans right now it's still it's wet in Brazil. Harvest is way behind in Brazil. Like they're this week, I think they reported less than ten percent, and they should be over twenty percent harvest. It's dry in Argentina. Theory that should be affecting their crops. They're still looking for a big crop in Brazil, but it's just going to come later to the market than uh, originally projected. Uh, Corn numbers might end up being down in South America because of dryness in Argentina and a later planted crop in Brazil. Mm -hmm. We don't talk much about wheat, but uh, there was some wheat news this week. Australia is looking at another or at a really good crop this year. They've had some uh, droughts the last few years. Uh, they're looking that they should have more crop to export. But on the current world market, it was interesting to read this week. There was a few countries that put tenders out for wheat. And uh, those tenders weren't met because the price was too high. Really? So it was like Algeria and can't think of the other country that uh, their tenders weren't met for importing wheat because they weren't willing to pay what the market was looking for. Hmm. So I don't know if that's just a sign that maybe wheat prices have to can't keep taking off. People aren't willing to pay. So supply demand, see where it goes. So that's kind of the long and the short this week. Not a lot, always lots of news, but really not a lot of news this week. No, a short week. A short week. For sure. So we actually have a special guest today, which is, uh, I'm excited about. It's actually one of our own. A very special guest. (laughs) So Mr. Joe Scott agreed to come on our podcast and talk about uh, the harvest run. He uh, he went out uh, west this summer, fall, and uh, and participated on the harvest run. So, Joe, maybe you uh, want to tell us a little bit why you decided to go and your experience out west. Well, what made me decide I wanted to go was I've, excuse me, I've just always wanted to go. And, uh, like, since I was a kid, there was a movie I watched called The 2000 Mile Harvest. You know, Joe, I watched that movie as a kid, too. (laughs) Why didn't you go? Well, you know what I remember from it was there there was a trailer and and the wives went as well and they cooked and they cooked a different meal every 
every day. And I just remember dad being like, hmm, that's a really nice idea. <laughs> and my mom like sitting in the corner being like, mm-hmm, yeah, you think so, eh? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I watched that movie a lot. Watched that movie a lot and um, just always wanted to do it. So when I graduated high school, I thought about doing it right out of high school, but it wasn't 18, so I couldn't. So I went to school and graduated college and then did it immediately after. Mm-hmm. And um, it was close to that movie. Like we had a different meal every night, but it came from the restaurant in town or uh, when we were actually back combining their own crop. It did come from like their wives cooked every night. And wow. it was they took turns. And cool. So. So where did you start, Joe? And then where did you end? We started in the town of Brady, Montana. Um well, actually, we started in Great Falls. We went and got the combines at the dealership, drove them up the interstate to Brady, and parked them, and we did uh, the pre-delivery inspection on them. Yeah. And then set them all, set all the screens up, got the heads back out of the shed because they have their own shed down there. And um, once they had swathed about a week or 10 days before we got there, and once we got everything ready to go, we started rolling, and then... Stopped shortly after that because it rained the next day and then it rained and then it rained and there was a lot of sitting in Montana. And then after two weeks that I was down in Montana, they sent me and one other back to Alberta and we spent the next month combining nonstop. It never rained. Oh, so how, uh, how large a crew were you with, Joe? Like how many combines? There was nine combines. There was six um, 8250 case combines and three cloths combines um all brand new yeah i was gonna say you rolled out of the dealership so that might have been must have been nice <laughs> yeah it was pretty nice see 0.2 hours on the machine when i started it so so what kind of commodities did you guys work with uh we did winter wheat durham wheat lentils chickpeas uh red and green lentils actually there was there like a commodity that was more difficult than the other or lentils are definitely the toughest to cut it's like trying to combine vetch if you've ever thought that that was a good idea it's super tough you cut super close to the ground um their ground is way stonier than they like to admit (laughs) um it's kind of like soybeans you can use the same settings or very similar settings to soybeans for them they're about the same size but their test weight is far heavier Mm. um it is challenging because the lentils will gum up on the say like your spreaders on the back the guard it'll gum up plug your spreader and if you don't catch it right away it'll plug your combine from front to back and i know from experience oh <laughs> See, I, I remember combining chickpeas and uh just a major dust storm with the chickpeas yeah could barely see the the header had to really use rely on the GPS for keeping straight and everything. Yep, you can't see hardly anything. Uh, there's lots of, it wasn't bad in the daytime, lots of nights and lentils that were the sem- pretty similar. So in your, uh, would you have long, long days in these combines? Uh, long enough, like we left the shop at about 8 o'clock every morning, but we did quite often didn't get back till, I want to say 11, 11.30. Um We'd shut down, and then it took a little over an hour to fuel everything. And then once we fueled everything, a lot of the time we had an hour or more drive back to the shop or back to the trailer. So when you're you're in a crew with nine combines, you say trailer, would they have, like, multiple trailers for people for sleeping in, or...? Yep, there was uh, three trailers for the whole crew. They had, like, they were toy hauler trailers, 
and they built bunk beds in the back so that way you it was basically kind of like a college dorm room it was tight quartered but still not bad cool co-ed or <laughs> she was pretty much an all guys crew so <laughs> you would ask that question aj <laughs> would you uh would I you recommend it joe there oh <laughs> there you go um would you recommend it joe to someone that's maybe coming out of of university or college or high school or 100 percent. i think it's a great experience it gets you out um gets you to see how other people do things in different parts of the world um you get experience on and they'll like they ask you what kind of experience you have and as long as you have some agricultural experience you're very likely to get hired like it's I don't know, I went with very little combine experience. I've been around them but never run them. And it they had no problem with putting me in one and teaching me what to do, ins and outs, and it went awesome. Cool. So you got the experience, some hands-on, adjusting things, turning a wrench probably. You, you didn't just get to sit there and have somebody fix things for you? No, you definitely, like anything small, you repair yourself. Um, such as like knives and and changing your concaves and things like that, belts, um, anything because they were new, anything major. Uh, Pro Harvest, from which is Case IH's uh, service department for custom harvesters, they came out and and did. So in these uh, groups or this uh, team group harvest group. Would there be people that would come back year after year on this? Uh... Yep, there was uh, one fellow who's also from Ontario. He's from uh, Denfield. He actually was on his third year. Uh, there was another fellow from about four hours north of um, that farm shop that I worked for, and he was on his second year. And there's a couple other people I know from this area that have done it two years in a row or three years in a row. So paperwork for working in the U.S. and that, the company looked after everything for you? Or? Yep, they asked for your SIN number and your passport number and stuff. And then when you got to the border, they handed them the paperwork. And then the um, CBSA agent just calls you up, asks you to put your fingerprints on and asks if you've ever had a work visa before. And they hand it to you and carry on. Cross the border, no problems. Yeah, that's good. That uh, make the make those things smoother for sure. Mm-hmm. So, how many months were you gone, Joe? Uh, about a month and a half, I guess. Um, left on the tenth of July. Actually, closer to two months because I left on the tenth of July and came back on the tenth of September, fourteenth of September, somewhere in there. Because I was thinking, there's another uh, young fella from the North Core area here that he was gone later in the fall. He worked for another crew um, that actually ours worked with, and they go up onto a reservation straight a little bit southwest of Calgary, and um, they actually help another farm with their eight combines, and the farm that they help has ten. And uh, <laughs> That's a pretty big operation. <laughs> yeah. I think someone said there's like 150,000 acres on that reservation. Whoa. That's a lot of acres. So let's see, will we see your uh, picture in their website or anything and advertisements for coming out to do this? And... Uh, maybe, I don't know. I, they don't up- update their website much. They do update their Facebook page, but they pretty much, they get a lot of guys from Ontario because uh, 
they treat their guys well and they come come back to Ontario and people ask and they're like, oh yeah, those guys are great to work for. And then they get a whole new list of hires for next year. Cool. I like what you said, especially about like getting, getting to experience a different country and yeah. And it's a good way to get experience too, because it's not always easy back here at home when uh, grandpa's always been driving the combine. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely something like yeah. you hear of farms. Um, you'll be talking to someone at, say, the farm show in Kentucky. And, yeah, I'm 52, and grandpa's 96, and he's her dad's 96, and he's just letting me run the combine here now. And it's like, what? <laughs> but That's awesome, so, Joe. Oh, that's great. Well, it's glad to hear you had a great experience out of Joe, and so... Joe works here at the the farm and the elevator, and he's. Uh, I know from talking to other people on our on our harvest crew that they were pretty impressed with the knowledge that Joe did pick up on the combining. So I heard that too. Yeah, I heard he did a good job. <laughs> All comes with a willingness to learn. So. Yep. No, that's a very good point. Well, I think that's all we have for this week. Joe, thank you very much for coming on and being willing. <laughs> Actually, I think one thing we oh. should say, uh, Dolores, if uh, anybody wants to find out more about the the harvest trip and that that Joe was on, they if they contact us, you know, we can forward on Joe's uh, contact information and that. I don't Absolutely. think you'd mind that, Joe, no, would I'm you? happy to talk about it. It's whatever. It's great. I love it. So That's, that's a very good point, Jeff. Yep. Well, um, barring anything else, I think, yep, it's time to start the weekend. So thank you very much for tuning in, and uh, we look forward to talking to you next week. Talk to everybody next week. Thanks again, Joe, for uh, coming Thank you for having me. uh, We'll talk again soon. Bye for now.